power on. I think pop has made itself completely irrelevant as an aesthetic form. It's like, it's like looking into a hall of mirrors where all you see is the reflection of other mirrors. There is so much shameless just adaptation of other people's style that it's almost impossible to tell one person apart from another. Individuality has been erased and wiped away. Woo, the man of tomorrow is here, or as uh, <laughs> I used to call myself on the Hard and Fast podcast, Dragonaut One, ready for you, baby. And <laughs> it was someday, maybe I'd pick that podcast back up. Um, of course, that was a that was basically a metal show or overall a music show, but music is what we're here for today. Uh, you are getting a sovereign top eight, which is basically the best of 2020, and in particular with albums. Now, 2020, not a surprise to anybody, <laughs> or like not, it's not like there isn't anybody that knows this, was an odd year, right? Um, and, you know, it, I was actually, when I was going over doing, because we do this every year where we do our kind of like our top movies, top whatever, you know, top books for a year. Um, and some categories like television shows, uh, or movies are actually a pretty tough thing to bring up a top eight in because most of the movies that were supposed to come out in 2020, even a lot of shows that were supposed to perhaps pick up in 2020, uh, you know, all got pushed back into 2021. And even then who knows, but music Albums in particular, uh, have not, that has not been the case. Um, there were certainly delays throughout 2020 because there were a lot of albums that were supposed to come out like in March or even April, and they would end up getting delayed into the end of the year. But I mean, basically once, you know, fall hit, uh, like every week, there really was an exciting album coming out. Uh, now I normally have it set in the, the, uh, the recording template that I do for, for sovereign tech. I usually have it set where I have a whole segment where I bring up an album of the week because I used to do that in the weekly Q and A's and everybody really loved it. And so, you know, when, when we stopped doing the, the, the Q and A's because, you know, we eliminated the paywall and so on, and we just put the Q and A's into the main show. We also put the album of the week into the main show, but I haven't done one in the main show for a while because a lot of the topics that we've had to discuss, um, were just so broad and hot that frankly, you know, we needed all the time we could get. And if that meant knocking out, you know, a, an eight minute segment where I would talk about uh, an album or even five minutes, then that's, that's what would happen. Um, but so, you know, with that said, really, there's a lot to discuss here uh, as far as music that came out in 2020. Um, I want to, I'll lay it out on top. Pretty much all of these are metal, um, you know, or, or some kind of, uh, you know, hard rock, if you want to differentiate in that way. Now I grant you, it's not because all I listen to is metal. I mean, I certainly listen to it a lot. <laughs> I won't deny that. Um, I mean, you could argue as far as popular genres, um, it's certainly, you know, my top genre as far as popular genres. Like I said, if, if, if you know, if, if film scores was somehow its own genre, then that would be like the thing that I listen to the most. Um, but I, I definitely listen to metal the most. I would have no problem in this top eight with a pop album being on there. Um, I could think of, you know, I mean, multiple genres that I, I would love if they, they had made my top eight. Um, unfortunately, except really, it seems except for metal, uh, it feels like, and you can correct me if I am wrong. 
but I don't think I'm wrong. You know, I think of like when, when Ellen and I go to the gym, I mean, we, we end up having to, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, subjected to, uh, forced, uh, to listen to <laughs> just <laughs> some of the most horrible music that, that, that's come out in the past year. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Not all of it's horrible, but most, uh, Hmm. In fact, you know, here's a challenge. I want you to take, I don't know, the average pop song from 1985, 86, 87, I don't know, you know, one of those years, somewhere in there. Hell, you could even go as far as like maybe 1994, 95. Um, and I want you to look at the, doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, because you can say, well, art's subjective. Okay. Art is in many ways subjective, but there are objective metrics that you can look at within art, right? Um, how much does it reflect reality? What is its fidelity to its source material? Things like, I mean, you know, so there are some objective metrics that you can look at. Now, here is a objective metric that I need to define just a little bit. And that is, I want you to look at the lyrical density, okay, of songs, of pop songs, you know, top 40, just go top 40. That way you don't have to worry is pop or what. Go to top 40 in the 1980s to top 40 in, you know, fine. If you think 2020 was, you know, a horrible year for music, then pick your year in the past, frankly, in the past 10 years. And I guarantee you, because I've looked into it, the lyrical density. And what I mean by lyrical density is, what are the, uh, you know, how many different words are there? How, as in not just like, you know, are they using, uh, like, uh, you know, a lot of, um, synonyms or something, you know, did they break out of the, the thesaurus? Why do I always have such a hard time with that word, <laughs> but did, did they break that out? Um, so, I mean, there, that's part of it, but then also as in just like, you know, how much of a story is it telling is, it, or is it repeating the same line over and over and over again? And I think you're going to find that the lyrical density of songs from, you know, 30, 40 years ago is an order of magnitude higher than songs for today. Now, a song doesn't, a song could be whatever the fuck it wants. Okay. I really don't care. All right. But top 40 is top 40. We can use that as, as the gauge that way we don't have to define it by genre or whatever. And I think there is an argument to be made that with I mean, if it's got a great beat and maybe it doesn't need a lot of words and I know everything's kind of been shifting towards EDM anyway, I understand all of this, but point being is that you could argue the music is less, uh, intelligent, intellectual, perhaps based upon, you know, if you consider lyrics an important thing, which granted there are a lot of people that don't. Um, but you know, what I've always loved in music is when it's telling me a story. You know, and there's like, I, I get it. You know, people just want something that they can dance to blah, blah, blah. Like, look, Hey, I can dance. Ellen, can I dance? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. You, there, see, I can dance. I, I have rhythm. You understand I'm a championship roller skater, by the way. Thank you, Ellen. Uh, so, but it's not that I'm against dancing. It's not that I can't dance or something along those lines. It's that I want to dance based upon largely like sort of what the lyrics are saying, you know, like I want to move with the, with the, the feelings of, uh, you know, of what the lyrics are parlaying. Okay. And so there's a dramatic, dramatic difference in the lyrical density of music from, and, and what's behind this. Well, I mean, are people getting dumber? Sure. Of course they are. 
Uh, they're not getting smarter, despite what people were trying to tell you for the longest time. Um, that's clearly not true, partly because IQ's bullshit. I know we're just doing a music special here. How did they get into this? But yes, people are getting dumber. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, okay, and then we really will get into the top eight for 2020 because there, there, you know, as much as I'm complaining about music, there has been some, um, there's been some amazing, amazing albums, some of the best albums ever made that have come out this year, and I'm not exaggerating, okay. Um, I think that the music industry, you know, yes, there's like we we all know, and and people have talked about this that there is like a a formula for pop music that, you know, makes it catchy or an earworm or that, you know, gives it the hook and everything that gets people liking and listening to it. I think they have, I think the music industry as a whole, minus certain genres, particularly like metal folk music. Sure. But is that even music? You know, I mean, come on. If I have to listen to the fucking, what is it? The mandolin? I don't know. Whatever that, dun, 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 that every little Silicon Valley company puts behind their fucking commercial and it makes me want to jam a pencil in my ear. Uh, you know, beyond that, okay, <laughs> the lyrical density of everything I think is dropped because the music industry knows that, you know, they want it to have as few lyrics as possible. That way it is quote unquote, as applicable to everyone as possible. Right? Like here's an example, actually a, a metal example. Um, Motley Crue, you're all I need from uh, 1987's girls, girls, girls. Heart-wrenching song. Uh, in fact, it's it's notorious. Doc McGee, the manager for many bands throughout time, uh, Kiss, Bon Jovi, Molly Crew, and so on. Uh, maybe he didn't manage. No, he managed Bon Jovi. Anyway, um, Doc McGee would tell the story where he was talking to John Bon Jovi. And we're going to talk about Bon Jovi later in this episode as well. Uh, and John Bon Jovi heard the song, You're All I Need. Uh, by, by Motley Crue and said, uh, this is it. It's like, I'm out of a career. He's like, that, that's the greatest ballad ever made. And, I, and I'm done. And Doc McGee says, John, John, did you listen to the lyrics? Cause the whole song's about murder. It's not a love song, like really at all. Like it's a very twisted dark song. I mean, which of course, you know, someone like Nikki six uh, would come up with. And I say that with respect. Uh, my point being, if the song you're all I need didn't have the, um, you know, wasn't, didn't have the lyrical density and depth that it has where, you know what it's about. I mean, clearly John Bon Jovi, like many didn't listen to the lyrics, but you know, when you know the lyrics, you know what it's about and what could be, you know, a song that could get played, fuck it weddings, you know, I mean, and probably would have been very popular at weddings. That really can't be done because if you played it at a wedding, everybody would be like, wait a minute, this is about a guy killing his girlfriend, right? And so the music industry, I think, when they have, uh, when they somehow find a, an original beat, which, you know, it, even that is a, seems to be a matter of luck these days. When they find an original beat, they, you know, they don't want to put a whole lot of lyrical density to it because they want it to be as applicable to any given situation or any person as possible. I guess, hopefully, so it streams more because not that they plan on albums selling. Uh, I, I don't whatever, whatever their metric of success happens to be. But I think that's really what's going on here as to why the lyrical density has dropped precipitously over the decades. Um and, and it's a shame because really, you know, lyrical density is what could make often very unoriginal uh, uh, beats, you know, and, and, and melodies 
uh, could turn them into a very original song. It's really a pity that, it, that it's gone that way. But then, you know, as we all know, or I hope that we know, the music industry has never been interested in making great music. They are, they've always been interested in just making good enough music. Um, and they've always been terrified of another John Lennon, right? They never want any musician to get too big to where they become bigger than the industry itself. They, they despise that. Now metal, it seems is basically, well, partly due to, I want to say Europe (laughs) because it is so such a powerhouse outside of uh, the American music industry. Um, you know, really it's going through Renaissance a has been for a few years now, but B um, it has not had that issue of a lack of lyrical density. In many ways, it's even uh, scaled up as far as that goes, um, which I applaud. So if you're wondering, gee, stallion, why is there all metal on here? Sure. Yes, I am. You know, if you want to banty around the word metal head, that's fine. Uh, sure. I am a fan of metal, but it's more than that. It's that if you're looking for, in my opinion, if you're looking for intellectual music, you know, music with some really deep meaning and something that you can listen to over and over again, because not because it's an earworm, but because you're trying to capture the essence of everything that's within, you know, the three to hell, I mean, metal could be 30 minutes (laughs) of of a song. Um, You know, that's, that's why you're doing it. Right. I mean, how many of us are so thankful that dream theater is still out there, you know, and we can actually have complex fucking music, right? Damn Skippy. So anyway, uh, and as much as I would have loved, well, Dream Theater did come out with a live album this year. I, this is, I'm not including, like there were a lot of reissues in 2020. I mean, there were an ass ton of reissues that came out in 2020, a lot of which were, you know, remasters and really well done. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, especially if you're, you know, a rock fan of any kind. I mean, th- there has been so much that's come out in 2020. There have been a ton of live albums that had come out, uh, like I said, dream theater had one come out. I'm not including really any of those. Um, I might've been tempted to put in live albums. If live albums were once again, made as live albums once were it used to be that live albums or there, there was a kind of a golden era where live albums would come along with two to four new studio tracks. That way you'd want to buy the album. Right. And I always thought that was a great marketing move. Just, I mean, greatest hits are supposed to do the same thing, right? Where a greatest hits album, it's going to be like, you know, 18 hits and maybe two new songs. That's how you're supposed to do a greatest hits. Uh, and partly that's to show you that the band's not done yet either. <laughs> you know, even though they're putting out effectively one form or another of compilations. So yeah, there's a lot of metal on here, bottom line. Um, and, and that's why, uh, but I am also, So we'll get into a top eight, but I'm also going to talk about maybe some of the big disappointments of this year. Uh, And I also want to add in a couple of bonus albums that I know I did not get to that have come out uh, in the past couple of years that I I either just suddenly was, was, uh, you know, they came to light for me or, you know, I was just uh, uh, enlightened to them, whatever. And, but that I think should be in your repertoire of new music that you're going to listen to. If you haven't checked any, any of it out that I am going to lay out here. So let's start this baby off. Why don't we go ahead and get right into it? Cause this doesn't have to be a terribly long episode. Uh, but like I said, there really is a lot to talk about here because there's been so much great music that has come out in 2020. It's one of the few industries that just kept, you know, just kept putting it out there. Uh, 
that, yeah, I mean, we could talk for a good long while. I mean, I could easily do a top, frankly, I could do a top 100 this year. Yes. That many albums came out that I think are worth listening to. Could you possibly listen to all 100 of them? Well, the only way I could is because usually I listen to the, you know, Ellen and I'll listen to these albums while we're working out or something like that. And we get to get to taste them a bit. So anyway, let's, but let's do it. Let's do it. Let's really do it. Let's get into the top eight and then we'll get into some uh, notable and maybe not so notable mentions uh, at the end. Um, here's how do I want to do this? Okay. We'll start from eight because this is a case. Usually I say, you know, it doesn't like if you're in the top eight, you're already one of the best. So it doesn't really matter what order they're in, but this is a case where, yeah. Um, Number one is number one with a bullet. I mean, like it's, it's so a cut above everything else. Number two is a cut and above, uh, you know, a cut above, a cut above everything else. It's, I think this is a case where it matters. So we're going to do it in that order. So, so we'll start at the least of the top eight, but again, yes, it's still true. They're in the top eight. So they're fucking worth listening to, but we'll start with the top eight and we'll work our way to number one. Here we go. Uh, number eight is a completely new band, which I love getting to, you know, uh, find, uh, you know, like a totally new band that just out of nowhere, you know, hits it right out of the park on their first outing. There's the old, you know, the old argument in the music business that, uh, your first album is easy. You know, it, it's the, it's the sophomore, it's the second and third. Those are the challenges, right? Cause you're putting everything you've got into your first one. And, but then what do you have after that? But this is one boy. I mean, these, these guys really hit it. I mean, <laughs> this is some old school shit. Uh, it's new came out in 2020. It's by a band called Neptune and the album is called Northern steel. Uh, this is, this plays like, I mean, of course with modern production values, but it plays like really some old school iron maiden or even Dio, uh, you know, like early eighties kind of stuff. And it's just got a, just a great marching rolling beat to it. Uh, that is, I, I mean, and, and all the songs, you know, I mean, there's not, I mean, it sticks within its lane more or less. Uh, but the first song on it, I mean, it has, you know, kind of that intro track, like many Epic albums do. Uh, but the first real song on it is called Viking stone. And man, I mean, you'll be humming that and singing that for days, weeks, even, uh, I mean, it just, just picks up and just has that really, really hard groove, um, that you don't get in a lot of songs, certainly not anymore. And, but they, they delivered it and, and it goes right on last man standing. The song after that is fantastic. And it just keeps going. And it, I mean, you know, it has, I wouldn't call it folk metal. I mean, this isn't Dumu Borgia or anything like that. Um, it certainly has a theme, you know, I mean, it's in the name, right? Northern steel. It's clearly talking about Vikings and Nordic shit and all that. Uh, and, and I don't mind that it has that theme. I mean, it just, it, it works. You know, <laughs> if you were to call it like warrior music, I get that a uh, lot of fun. What, what Neptune brought out and, and it's funny. It's not until you hear it that you realize it's been missing for a long time, but they're not the only ones. Let's go to number seven, very much a companion piece to Neptune's Northern steel. And this is by a band called eternal champion. Now, they had a, and I didn't know this until I heard their 2020 album. They had an album come out in 2016 called the armor of ire. And that album's not bad, but their new album, ravening iron, or would it be ravening iron? I'm, I'm not sure which one it is. Maybe it's ravening iron. Anyway, 
I, I can't imagine me ravening. What, what the fuck does ravening even mean? <laughs> uh, but this album is, this is one of the, another case where you don't know it's been missing until you hear it again. It's funny because, so this came out, I want to say in November of this year, the, the eternal champions, uh, you know, new album came out. Now, I don't know if they took the the name from the classic, uh, Sega Genesis fighter, which was an awesome game, by the way, I'm not sure, but regardless, it's a good name. Uh, the cover art is certainly what caught me. It's uh cover art in the style of, you know, like a, um, Boris Vallejo or like a Frank Frazetta, you know, that kind of style, which, you know, I, I can dig that, right? Like the, that's the same style that Manowar would have on it. But then that's the thing. As soon as I turned it on, I instantly thought about Manowar. Now, what was funny was that just a couple weeks previous to Eternal Champions new album coming out is I was thinking, I was like, man, there's nobody that really makes music like Manowar. You know, maybe that's why Manowar is still so successful and everybody still goes apeshit about him because, you know, I mean, no, just no one else really pulls it off. There are bands like glory hammer that do it like in a joking way, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're a parody of sorts almost. And of course then there's nano war. That's a whole other story. Um, but no one that really seems to, you know, I mean, I'm sure man of war knows, you know, that the tongues in cheek, but they take it fucking seriously. And it's like the old saying that if something's sincere enough, you accept it and you believe it. And there's no one who just seems to deliver that kind of metal. Even Neptune still felt like they were, you know, sort of being a little too tongue in cheek, right? A little too self-aware perhaps, um, to where it wasn't getting taken seriously enough. Now, I mean, it's great music still, but it wasn't necessarily getting taken seriously enough. Eternal champion takes this shit seriously. Um, and they open it right up, uh, face in the glare skull seeker. And, and it's just heavy. And it's that, that, you know, that warrior rock right from the opening. Um, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know much about the band really at all. Uh, but it, you know, somebody has got to carry on, you know, man of wars, uh, a, a legacy in my opinion. Um, I don't necessarily want, you know, someone else taking the place in man of war. Those certainly there have been some group members that have come and gone, uh, within, uh, you know, their number, but you know, I really wish there was more music like that because it's a very unique style and you can have fun with it and you know where it's coming from and what the added, the real, the abstract attitude behind it is. Right. And yeah, I feel like eternal champion just hit it. Some, somehow they, they, they picked up on that and they ran with it and they took it. They, they played it with sincerity. I don't want to say they took it seriously, but cause again, I don't know that man of war even takes itself that seriously, but they played it with absolute sincerity and that was beautiful. Uh, so eternal champion, uh, uh, ravening iron. I'm going to call it that. <laughs> uh, check it out. I mean, awesome. Awesome album. Not a long one either, but it, it's, it's solid. Uh, number six, number six is an album that probably does. wouldn't surprise anybody that it's on this list. Um, and that is from one of my, uh, uh favorite artists of all time. And someone who I actually reached out to a few years ago to ask, if he would do the, uh, do the, the opening, uh, theme for, for sovereign tech. Now, in one sense, I'm kind of glad, you know, that, 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 that didn't, that didn't go anywhere because I've come to enjoy, uh, you know, changing up the theme music and redoing the theme at least once a year, sometimes even twice a year. Because if this guy did my theme, I'd never change it <laughs> just out of respect to how damn good he is. 
And that, of course, is Stan Bush. Uh, Stan Bush, of course, best known for his work with the Transformers franchise. You know, you've got the touch, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but really, who has done so much more melodic rock outside of that. Um, and I mean, of course, he's also well known for a lot of 80s action films where he did the theme music for that, particularly Van Damme movies, you know. Um, but this guy never stopped. And his best albums really have, I mean, he's never had a bad one, in, really, in my opinion. But his music somehow you know, being 40 some odd years in this gig is just only getting better now. And part of it is, is that I think he does. It's that same thing. Like we were talking about with man of war and eternal champion where he plays it with such sincerity, you know? Yeah. It's cheesy. It's key whatever you, you know, whatever terms you want to use, but he plays it with such sincerity. You buy it and you love it. You know, and he's gotten to the point where sure he knows his bread and butter is in making like these kind of corny, uh, 80s action movie style songs. Yeah, you can do it. You're going to win, blah, blah, blah. But again, his talent is unquestioned and his sincerity is fully on display. And so it works. Um, there, there's some really cool songs. In fact, I think one of them is going to be on like the new shadow warrior, uh, game, but anyway, uh, born to fight is what it opens up with Badass song, uh, heat of attack. Another great song again. I mean, it's not heavy, right? I mean, this is, this is purely in the realm of melodic rock. Uh, you know, he'd fit in right next to like Rick Springfield and Richard Marks in many ways. Uh, boy, that'd be a triple header. Um, but, uh, then of course he did release a song. I want to say in 2019, uh, called the eighties that was all about the 1980s. And he did finally put that out. That was originally just a, like a summer single. He did end up putting it on this album and it fits in with everything that's going on there. So, so I appreciate it. Uh, I don't think that this album, it's not as it's great. It's not as solid as, uh, the ultimate. I don't know if he's ever going to top that album. Um, it's on par with change the world, which was his previous uh, release that he did. Um, certainly better than, uh, was it dream? The dream I think was the album that came out after in this life in this life is a fucking masterpiece. Um, but bottom line, I mean, you know, it, it's up there with his best stuff. Okay. Might not be up there with the ultimate that that's, that's a very unique animal. You only, you only get a once in a lifetime shot at making an album that fucking good, <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's, it's right up there. It, it really, really solid stuff from Stan Bush. If you know what he does, you know, you're going to love it. So let's move on to number five. Number five was a pleasant surprise. And this is one of those cases, like I was mentioning earlier, where Ellen and I were working out and Ellen basically said, yeah, it's, you know, pop something on. And cause usually what I'll do is I'll ask, all right, so what are we feeling? Like, do we want, do we want some, uh, want something heavy? Do we want something that's going to make us want to, you know, put the weights through the wall? Uh, you know, do we want something that, uh, maybe we can dance to in between? I don't know, whatever, you know, what, what do we want to listen to? And she was just like, yeah, go ahead and put something on because I'm, I'm adding, you know, almost by the day I'm adding new music up on the Plex. And there was this album that I just happened to catch. It was called, uh, it's by a guy, Cristiano Filippini. I don't know who that is, but Cristiano Filippini's a flame of heaven. Now the idea of putting somebody's name before a band name is certainly a practice that has increased in use as late. And I think it's a way of trying to make a differentiator, even though, now I don't know Cristiano Filippini, but even though the person's name 
I mean, they might have played in a band that was, you know, big in, in Switzerland or something, which is fine and great. I'm not knocking that at all. But it might not be something that you would recognize, you know, say in the States or perhaps even in, you know, broader Europe or other parts of the world. Um, so it's kind of a marketing tactic to make it seem like, oh, this must be kind of a big deal. And I get it. You got to do whatever you can to get people streaming your music. I understand. And I'm not even saying that that that's what happened here with Flames of Heaven. I'm just saying I know I recognize it's a trend and it's a trend that I think people might be getting a little bit sick of. But I hope that it worked for this album because this was such a surprise. Uh, so it's a Cristiano Filippini's Flames of Heaven. And the album is called The Force Within. Um, it's not not a terribly long album as far as song list, but each song, you know, clocks in at about five to six minutes. This is really epic. You can tell that the lead singer, uh, English is probably not their first language. It's just that certain sound to it, you know, where you know that they're trying to like they're 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 overcoming a bit of an accent to hit certain highs like with English. And I'm not knocking anybody for any of this because most of the music I listen to now do not come from bands in America. Okay. And where I abundantly, it's abundantly clear, you know, that, that English, uh, is, is a second language to them. There's no knock here at all. I'm just saying you're going to notice it. And, and it's interesting to take note of, but man, does, <laughs> does this album just hit really, really epic, uh, nice judicious use of, of some synth in there and some symphony. Uh, really, really epic stuff. I mean, the, the cover of it, the cover of the album, you know, has just this giant like angel holding a sword. I mean, really, really in like all neon colors, really cool. Um, but we fight for eternity, lightning in the night, I, just awesome, awesome songs. And this guy hits some highs with his voice, uh, and the, the guitar solos top notch. Uh, it was, a, it was a total surprise because I didn't read any reviews for it beforehand. Basically, this is a case where I, I saw the album cover. It's like, oh, well, that looks interesting. And of course, like I said, putting the name in front of it. Well, maybe he's somebody, even though I don't necessarily recognize the name. When I get around to it, I'll check it out. But when I checked it out, ended up living up to all the hype, right? Or, you know, just the simple hype of the album cover and kind of the branding. Neptune, that was one that, uh, that I had read a review for. Otherwise, admittedly, I might've, I might've, you know, just, just not bothered with it, but I read the review and the guy was basically saying, it's like, you know, you're, you're not going to believe this when you hear it. And he was right. But with uh, flames of heaven. Yeah, that was, that was really on a lark and, and, you know, just, just a shot in the dark there and it paid off. Uh, awesome, awesome album. So let's go on to number four. I'm actually going to switch around what I have. Number three and number four, number four. And, oh man, I, I, I hate to do this, you know, but again, you're in the top eight. You're great. Don't worry. <laughs> Amaranth came out with a new album. Now this is one of my top bands, uh, certainly in recent years. And I've been listening to them, uh, since their self-titled album, since the Nexus, you know, since, uh, massive addictive, since, uh, uh you know, been listening to them right along, uh, and their albums, anytime an album is coming out is, you know, I, I mean, just the anticipation is, is through the roof for me. So they came out with their, with their latest, it's called manifest. It's good. Now for Amaranth being good basically means it's 10 times better than just about what any other band on the planet does. But admittedly <laughs> in comparison, um, to their, their previous release, which was, uh, that was Helix in 2018. Um, I think the only thing that beat Amaranth 
in 2018 might have been Heat. I think Heat might have came out with an album that year, and that took it. But regardless, uh, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't exactly compare to uh, to Helix. It's not at that level. Now, granted, uh, their album previous to Helix, which was Maximalism, while that had an awesome opening track, that didn't live up to its previous albums either. So I don't want to say that they've gotten into a a a a, a pattern of where it's like every other album's, you know, every album's good, but every other album's great. I don't want to say that they've gotten into that at all. Uh, but this is one, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't land for me. Great. And I know I hold, I have really high expectations for, you know, for an Amaranth album, but it, it really, I mean, they got very experimental and I don't mind them experimenting at all. Um, but it, it really didn't land. I mean, there's some good songs viral. I thought was a, was a killer track. That was the first single that they released off of it. Um, there's a song strong that has, uh, they do a duet or, you know, at least rid the lead singer. She does a duet with, uh, the lead singer of battle beast. Another one of my top bands, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nora Luimo. I, I think I know it's Nora, but anyway, uh, that song's, that's a solid song. And it's great to have that mix between battle beast and, and Amaranth. Cause I, I think they're kind of in the, you know, they're, they're certainly in a, a similar style. Um, there's a song boom, which is lyrically really cool. Like I love the lyrics in the song. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it feels a little tongue in cheek, but it works. Um, they also included, depending upon what edition you get, they also included their cover of Sabaton's, uh, 82nd all the way. And that's an awesome track. Uh, I mean, that really, really kicks. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked manifest, but I mean, it, it, it's far from the first album I'm going to put on by Amaranth, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to put on massive addictive, uh, or the Nexus and Helix, you know, before, before this. So is what it is, but it was, it was still, you know, again, it's still Amaranth. So it still leaps and bounds above what anybody else is really doing out there. So it's got, it's gotta be on the list. Um, let's go to number three. Originally I was going to have Amaranth in at number three, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling an audible here. Number three, I'm going to give to a band that I haven't been able to put at the top ever, but I've loved their work for over a decade now. And that is Iron Savior. Iron Savior is a, is a really cool band that does, um, they have like Iron Savior. The name is actually the name of a ship, a spaceship. And the albums generally are concept albums telling more of the story around this ship and its crew, the iron savior. It's a very well done concept. Uh, they execute it. I mean, to perfection, in my opinion, and it just adds a lot. And the music's great anyway. Right. I mean, cause you can have a great concept, but if your music sucks, you know, what does the concept really matter? Uh, no, they deliver on both fronts. Um, with this new album, Skycrest, that came out in 2020, they shook things up. Uh, it looks like they tried to, and I, I can't identify what every song is about right away, but it looks like they're basically trying to, and this is sort of like star one, right? Where star one made songs that were about movies or books, you know, that are either science fiction or fantasy, right? Like they did Stargate Dune 2001 and so on, but they turned them into metal songs. And of course that's a tremendous album. If you've never listened to it, actually they have multiple albums, uh, but star one's phenomenal. Anyway, Iron Savior was kind of doing the same thing here. Now it opens right up with the song Skycrest. And I mean, it, it, it's just heavy, you know, and, and, and really, really good rolling thunder in it. I just awesome beat. And the singing, of course, uh, you know, great, great melodic highs that, that really the, the, 
you know, the voice, the lead singer's voice will get to. Um, but where it really shines is again, it's track for track. Like every song on it is great, but then it gets to a song called, uh, there can be only one. And you and I know what that is. <laughs> and it's, and it is a song about Highlander. I mean, just listen to the lyrics. It is all Highlander. And I can't believe how good that song is. I mean, that, that will make your fist pump. You'll be swinging swords, whatever. I mean, you are on when that track particularly hits. Um, I think this album's just a masterpiece. And it makes me wonder like how, how, how much greater, and I want to put, be very particular in how I say that, how much greater could Iron Savior be, you know, if they, if they played on this train of, okay, instead of doing giant concepts, you know, we'll do more single song. And it's not like they haven't done it before, but you get my point. If they concentrated more on single song affairs than on the big concepts, you know, where, where could they take this? Because I mean, this, this album is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's just mind blowing how good it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where, where they go next, uh, but I hope they don't quit. And boy, I, I hope whatever the metric of success is for an album today, um, I hope they hit it with this uh, more so than, than ever, uh, because they deserve it. Um, and it, it firmly belongs in the top three albums of 2020 just for the song. There can be only one, but really every, every song on that damn album is, 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 I mean, it just, it doesn't, doesn't let up, you know, from, from Skycrest down, it just doesn't let up on you. I mean, there's, there's a couple, you know, a little slower stuff, but, but really, I mean, it just, just keeps hammering. Um, let's go to number two. Number two is this is an album that I had said earlier in 2020 pre pandemic, by the way, that I had said, yeah, nothing's going to top this, you know, unless beast and black came out with a new album this year, there is nothing that could possibly top this. But as you're, as you know, now it's at number two, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, what's, what's the story here, stallion? Well, let's talk about this album first. Then we'll talk about what is actually at number one for best album of 2020. Number two is from the band heat. Of course, that's H period E period, a period T period heat. And it's called heat two is the name of the album. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic album, you know, corny and cheesy as fuck um, that, you know, they're, they're singing about partying and drinking, whatever, not, not partying and drinking, but partying and having sex and whatever else, you know, they happen to be singing out. I mean, you know, singing about if it, when you know heat, you know what it's about. I mean, this is just some of the best melodic hard rock ever done, not in 2020, not in the 21st century. I mean, just flat out ever, as long as that genre has existed, they're doing it at their best. I mean, this is pure class has been from their first album onward. And almost every year that they've had an album come out, it's taken the number one spot for me uh, because they're that damned good. And this album's no exception. There's nothing wrong with this album. Um, it might not ha have been as strong as the great unknown. I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's as good as that album, but it's right on par. I mean, it's, it's like right there, you know, uh, I loved it. And I mean, this is an album that I played over and over again for a good month or two, uh, basically really until the pandemic hit. Um, 
And it opens right up with a song, Rock Your Body. I mean, you know, that's what's going on there. Uh, there's a kind of a surprise track in there called We Are Gods, which is just a fantastic celebration of life. And I think a lot of, a lot of interesting little truths inside that song um, that I really appreciated. Again, a song that has, a, I mean, great, uh, you know, great melody, uh, great guitar riffs, but then it also has that, what, lyrical density. How about that? So track for track album, uh, I mean, you're guaranteed a good time when you put on a heat album and heat two is no exception. However, it is in the number two spot, which surprised even me. And it didn't get booted uh, out of the number one spot until December of this year of 2020. And it got booted by a band I had never heard of before. The band is called palace and it's uh, led by a guy named Michael palace. That's where the name comes from. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, like I saw the album cover. It's like, okay, that's cool. That's got, you know, nice little eighties kind of retro neon vibe to it and all this, which is, has become a popular thing really since like 2018. Um, and that's fine, you know, and it's clearly a band out of Sweden, I'm, I'm guessing, or, you know, or Finland, maybe, you know, one of those. Uh, but I put on the first track and my head exploded not because it's like that heavy. It's actually lots of synth. Uh, it's, it's hard rock a bit lighter, but I mean, there's so much, there's such an injection of like that crisp eighties goodness. It opens up with a song called rock and roll radio, which of course is the title track because the name of the album is rock and roll radio. And once just like the, like iron sabers album, it just doesn't let up. It just keeps going. Now. I mean, there's slower songs. There's nice ballads within it, but I mean the guitar hooks, the production level, everything going on in it. You, if I played it for you right now, I guarantee. And I didn't tell you it was from 2020. You'd say who remastered that album from 1987. Sounds great. I am always in awe when a band um, puts out an album that somehow can emulate the exact style of decades previous. For example, uh, a band I've brought up in, in recent uh, segments on Sovereign Tech that are, are, well, recent as in the past year, I guess. Uh, Classic 78. Classic 78, it's with a K. Classic 78 is a, not a tribute band necessarily, but is a band, a, a group of guys who put out two EPs um, a few years ago that they were trying to kind of recreate that, uh, seventies kiss sound because of course kiss, you know, doesn't do their seventies sound really anymore, even when they put the makeup back on. Right. And is, and look, I'm not knocking them for, I mean, kiss is my favorite band. I love, I think that, uh, monster and sonic boom are fantastic albums. Am I going to say it sounds like the 1970s that somehow it sounds like, you know, the sequel to rock and roll over or destroyer by no means do they sound like that, nor do they have to, that's okay. You know, bands can evolve. That's fine. But classic 78 somehow pulled it off in making songs that sound like they would have been the sequel to rock and roll over or love gun. And that that's insane that you can pull that off. Right. I mean, absolutely insane because you really would think that those songs were made in 1978. Well, with Michael palace or with palace, 
you really would think that these songs were made in 1987. Uh, and they clearly went with a style, like they knew what they were doing. And I think I've read some reviews where people basically, or, you know, where the reviewer will say, well, you know, if they just added a couple of modern flourishes, this album could have been on a whole other level. I disagree. Uh, I mean, and they can put in modern flourish. Like this is actually their third album. Of course I went back and listened to their previous two and they're both amazing and could have taken album of the year on their respective years. Uh, like they had their first album was master of the universe from 2016. Second album was binary music in 2018. Now this is their third rock and roll radio in 2020. Um, so they can put in the modern flourish. Those albums still, I mean, you can clearly hear like rock and roll radio. Isn't a dramatic departure from those albums at all. They, they definitely have a style. Uh, but I am so glad that Michael Palace seems to almost kind of held back and made sure that this sounded like something that would have came out in 1987, uh, even though it's 2020. I mean, seriously, if this, if this album did come out in 1987 or even 1990, you would have had to, you'd be shoveling it out of the backs of the trucks because people would just be clamoring for it so hard. I mean, there'd be so many copies sold. It'd be insane. The album is that fucking good. The songs are that catchy. The song and but still have that lyrical density. They're still telling a story, right? Uh, the opening track, "Rock and Roll Radio." I mean, just amazing. Tells a and it's so you know that's the other beautiful thing too. For it to come out in 2020 when everybody's depressed as fuck. For this to be such a celebration and such a happy album, man, that was needed coming out of that. You know, I think for a lot of people, and if you were feeling that or still are, here's, here's your upbeat, baby. Here's your tempo. Here's your increase. This, I mean, you know, in tempo, this is amazing. Anyway, track for track, every, every song on here is great. It's not just good. It's great. Um, but the highlights, certainly the title track, rock and roll radio. Uh, there's another one called cold ones, which is a beautiful song about how, you know, we have such an, I mean, it's upbeat. Like it, it, you know, it's a rocker. It's not, it's not a ballad. Okay. But the song is about lyrically is about, um, you know, how you could never, or we could never go where the people who fall out of love go because our love is so powerful, beautiful, beautiful shit. Uh, then there's a, then there is a ballad that being Eleonora is, is, you know, and, and that, even that's great too. Right. Because you remember that when we used to get, you know, the, um, whatever songs that were just like the name of a gal right? Like Europe would do, or, you know, with Carrie or like starship, right? You know, I mean, you know, Sarah, something like that. Like it was so great to have a song like that again. Um, just works. And then the real, I mean, the, 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 the pinnacle on this album for me is right smack in the middle. It's a song called hot steel. Now, if you can make a song, perform it with that sincerity, have that amazing riff synth going everywhere, you know, but the guitars are flying and you can actually in that song, you can use the lyrics, uh, turbo laser beams. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, I mean, the lyrics are amazing. You're wired to fulfill my desires. Uh, my techno sexuality. I mean, it just fucking a man. <laughs> it's, it's so great. It was, it's such a killer album. Uh, this album will, will, I mean, will just knock you on your ass when you put it on. And again, you're going to feel like you're in 1987 again. Now, if you've never been to 1987, perhaps it wouldn't have the same meaning. I'm open to that. Uh, but I was there and, and 
And even though I was a little guy, I loved it. And man, does this album do it all. Uh, and you know, it's not a requirement, you know, uh, though a point, there is a concept, an abstract concept that I think we, that needs to get explored more on sovereign tech and that we will discuss more. And it's not original to me, but I do want to explore it a lot. And that is, is that humans, um, have such an obsession with innovation. We oftentimes innovate past perfection. And yes, that is possible. We innovate, we create past what was as good as it'll ever get, you know, or what is the, you know, most, uh, I don't know, whatever. I mean, and, and this may not necessarily be so true for music because again, art can be very subjective. Okay. So, but I think with electronics, with devices, with cars, with all kinds of things, we, you know, I, I think we've reached some peaks and some pinnacles that we are trying to innovate past when, you know, just because the market has to have endless growth or, you know, the, the mixed market has to have endless growth. Um, yeah, we, 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 we go past some things without them being explored enough. And I guess that's where I relate it here is that that style of music, you know, from the eighties and nineties, that melodic hard rock has not been explored enough and it's happening in Europe and it's being sadly largely ignored in America. Uh, but this album by palace rock and roll radio is one of those cases where I am so glad someone went backwards and brought it to now to show people how it's done, you know, and man, I could, yeah, I, I really, I could get into such big conversations around this that, that I've talked about before on Sovereign Tech around the eighties like that, you know, it, it seemed like in the, in the nineties, just music started to become incredibly depressing, uh, certainly in the metal scene. And in, I mean, look, it's not like it wasn't before either, but it, the prevalence, uh, was a lot of depressing shit as to where, you know, sort of the, the, the upbeat and the happy, you know, kind of parties seemed to disappear in many ways or just went more underground. I don't want to get into that whole conversation. I'm just saying that I'm glad somebody made an album that was just balls to the wall joy. Uh, and they did it. He did it too. I mean, like a lot of these albums kind of, kind of pulled that off. Uh, Stan Bush, I think kind of pulls that off here, but man, is that palace album. I can't say it enough. Just how amazing this album is. This is one of the, it's just one of the best albums ever made straight. That's it. If there's a top 50 albums, it'd be in the top 50 easy. So there we go. There's our number one for 2020. So let's break down the list again, quick. And then I want to get into some, uh, some, some notable mentions here. Uh, Neptune with Northern steel at number eight, eternal champion with Ravening iron, uh, at number seven, uh, number six is Stan Bush with dare to dream. Number five, uh, Cristiano Filippini's flames of heaven, the force within number three is Amaranth's manifest number four or number three. Wait, that was number four. Number three is his Iron Savior's Skycrest. And then number two is from Heat, that being Heat 2. Uh, and then from Palace at number one, Rock and Roll Radio. Now let's get into some of the mentions here. Um, the album that I was really excited for that I think, frankly, bombed. Um, and and I, I have some questions about this album, actually. But Bon Jovi was supposed to come out with an album back in March. Then he delayed and he came out with the album. It didn't come out until I want to say like later November or early December. And he named the album 2020. That's the name of the album. 
it sounds like based on some of the uh, interviews that I've read, it sounds like he actually went back and like redid the lyrics. I mean, I'm not going to take any, boy, if anybody has lyrical density, really Bon Jovi's got it. I mean, the, the guy's a fantastic lyricist um, and has no problem singing about really deep subjects. Uh, but this album just, just didn't work. Uh, but it sounds like it, there might've been a, a completely different album earlier in the year because he said he specifically wanted this album to address what everybody's feeling in 2020 due to the pandemic and everything else, you know, and the protests and whatever else. Now that wasn't true, you know, back when this album was supposed to come out earlier in the year. So I wonder here if there was supposed to be some other kind of album and Bon Jovi, who I think is genuinely kind of a caring guy, uh, you know, has said that, that, well, this, this would be completely out of place if we release this right now, let's, um, you know, let, let's, let's put out this album instead. Uh, th- this album just didn't work. Uh, it opens right up with a song called limitless doesn't work. I, I mean, it, it just, it sounds like, and I know frankly, ever since I want to say ever since have a nice day, which is ultimately, I think the last great Bon Jovi album. And that was what 2005 when that came out, um, ever since have a nice day or after that, Every album, it sounds like he's basically been trying to be like Bruce Springsteen, which is like his idol. So I get it, but he's not Bon Jovi anymore, right? (laughs) You know, that, that attitude's gone. And it's not just because Richie Sambora is not there anymore either. I don't think, uh, because this was going on while Richie was with him. It's probably part of the reason that he left. I don't know. I'm guessing, but there it is. Uh, really, (sighs) this is really disappointing to me. Uh, what was not, you know, speaking of Richie Sambora, I didn't get this in, uh, but Orianti, which was, was Richie Sambora's love interest there in 2019. And then they kind of separated a bit. I, I don't know what's going on there, but she came out with an album this year. That was, that was dynamite. Uh, that's worth checking out. I mean, and she's just, you know, guitarist and she, she'll get, she'll do some vocals behind too, but, uh, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, check out Orient. If you, if you never listened to her previous albums, check those out too. Orianti's uh, phenomenal. But anyway, yeah, Bon Jovi's 2020. Nope. Didn't work. I was so disappointed. This is the first time because I'm a, I'm a big Bon Jovi fan and, and I've put up with, you know, this house is not for sale, burning bridges, uh, which that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, or even the circle, you know, and so on. I, I've put up with those albums and I'm like, yeah, okay. I see what you're doing. That's fine. You know, and they're okay, but I've never had an album where I listened to it. And it was just like from Bon Jovi where I was like, Oh no, no, that's not good. <laughs> you know, that That's, it's just never happened. So 2020, you know, the year of the impossible, I guess. Uh, but moving on, let, let's switch it up. So I'll mention a couple of other albums that came out from pretty big name bands. Uh, Deep purple came out with a new album this year. Amazingly, it was called whoosh. That is the name of the album with the exclamation point and everything. It's not bad, but amazingly, a lot of people were saying, oh, wow, this is like Deep Purple's best album in 20 years. Uh, No, you haven't listened to their albums in the past 20 years because those are some of their best ever. Uh, It no, this one, it was good. I love it and I love Deep Purple, but it certainly did not live up to their past couple of releases uh, as far as, you know, really hard hitting and. Uh, just interesting. I, I, I don't know. It was, it wasn't there. It, it, it just, it didn't, it, it worked. I liked it. I've listened to it many times and I will continue to listen to it, uh, you know, into the future, but 
it was, it was nowhere near as good as their past couple of releases. Uh, I was, I was really disappointed by that. Uh, and it really disappointed though, because so many people were billing it as like, wow, this is like a return to form for them and all this stuff. I like, know. I mean, it's, it's great, but it, you know, cause it's deep purple. So it automatically puts it a cut above other music, but it's not like great deep purple, you know, in my opinion. So I'm not, but I'm not knocking it. It's a good album. It's just not great. Uh, then we had ACDC amazingly out of nowhere came out with a new album in November um, and brought Brian Johnson back in, you know, and everything uh, that that was called power up. Um, it's an ACDC album. <laughs> That's all there is to say, you know, like, okay, it, it's, it's ACDC. There's, there's, I don't feel like there's anything uh, really experimental here. You know, it sounds like every other ACDC album. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that's a thing and that that's the case here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I frankly, I think like the last was a black ice. I thought black ice was a, was an awesome album. I mean, they've had great later albums. Stiff upper lip was a great album. Um, Black Ice was a great album, but I, I feel like they even kind of got a little experimental, did a little bit of different tunes with, um, like with, with Black Ice, like the song War Machine was, was really, was really different. And yeah, I, I just wish they kind of shake it up a little bit. I, I don't know. It was good. It was good. It's just, it's ACDC and you, and you got what you expected, you know? And yeah, they can put out an album and, and it's going to do great no matter what, you know, but it really, you just kind of got what you expected. So that's the reason that it didn't end up on the list. Uh, the, the single that they released shot in the dark. I love the song. Um, the rest of the album, you know, plays similarly, but yeah, there just, there wasn't enough there to like warrant it as wow. What a, you know, what an amazing album by ACDC. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it was good again. I just didn't feel it like at a level where it, it deserves like real mention in, in some kind of top list. I mean, if there was a top 25, albums of 2020 it'd probably be in there but maybe top 50 definitely but you know in the top eight it, it, i just can't see it uh then nightwish also came out with a uh with a new album which was human to nature they have some very funny way of writing that out uh this was this is pretty good um you know i i haven't been the biggest fan of nightwish's tenure with uh Fleurs jansen um, I thought that, uh, what was her name? Annette Olson was brilliant. I mean, you, you have to, you know, make up for losing Tarja. Right. And I mean, Tarja is brilliant. And I think Annette Olson did a good job. Flores is great, but she, this got a little folky and a, and a little less epic. I mean, there's a song music, which I think was like the, the main track or, you know, kind of the lead single for it. That, that was good. Uh, but the rest of the album, I, I don't know. It, it, it went different places and that's okay. Right? Like, it's not like I'm being contradictory here and saying, well, I wish ACDC would go other places, but Nightwish can't. Um, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the vein of like the, the, the amount of epicness. I, I, there's an expectation when Nightwish comes out with an album, right? Like you don't expect them to do, I don't know, something that sounds like the white stripes, uh, or, or whatever, you know, um, it just, I, I didn't really feel it. That's all there is to it. Um, and, and I, I do miss, you know, Annette Olson being there. I thought she brought like a certain youthful vigor that that band's like epicness really needs, uh, that was missing. Unless you just have that, that incredible presence of Tarja Turunen. 
I mean, you know, if you've got that, okay. But yeah, yeah, I, I was, I, I mean, I wasn't like terribly disappointed, but just, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't, didn't live up to, you know, previous Nightwish releases. Granted, a lot of recent Nightwish releases haven't lived up to previous Nightwish releases. So there you have it. Uh, or no. Okay. Wait. Cause I was just, I, I feel like I just complained for about four albums. I want to give you a couple of albums to check out from years previous to 2020 that I only discovered, uh, really this year that I think are, are worth taking a look at. Uh, one of them is by a band that's actually been around for a little while, that being crazy licks. And they had an album come out in 2019 called forever wild. This album's awesome. Uh, it has some stylings to it that probably haven't been attempted in a good 30 years. Um, it opens up with a real nice, sexy track called Wicked. Um, I mean, this is real sleaze rock, right? Real cock rock. And most of the songs hit that. It's a track for track album. Uh, the, the end song, Never Die, Forever Wild, fantastic. I mean, good messages in it, you know, like keep going and, you know, go ahead and, and have the good time and all. I mean, I think that's great. Uh, but there's a song on there called Silent Thunder, where clearly they're trying to pull off sort of like a King Cobra, Never Say Die, Iron Eagle, you know, kind of kind of song where it's like a song that that could fit in a Top Gun movie. And it really works. Uh, I'm impressed. Like, I, I really wanted to put on a shmup, you know, and, and, and you know, fly a fighter jet or a, or a starfighter of some kind and, and, and go to town uh, listening to the song because it really delivers on that. Uh, so you want to check that out again. That's from 2019. Somehow I missed it in 2019 because I absolutely would have had it on the top eight because it's a track for track album and has a great attitude. Uh, and that song silent thunder alone to try and create like a top gun esque song, sort of like a mighty wings kind of thing right on. Um, the other album I want you to check out is actually from 2018, but it is the band's latest release. And that band is Icarus, Witch. uh, the album is goodbye. Cruel world. The title track for it is, is awesome. Uh, that being, you know, uh, goodbye, cruel world. Uh, the second track misfortune teller, really great groove. This is Icarus, Witch is kind of a tough, they're just heavy metal. Don't, don't put them in a subgenre because they'll play anything. They're, they're just, they're just heavy metal, you know, old, and I, I don't want to call them old school either, but they've just got that great style. You know, they've got, they've got in, uh, you know, the melody, uh, Singers are always, you know, top notch, uh, or at the very least, you know, they hit their highs, uh, you know, they do the job. It's fantastic. Um, you got to check out Icarus, Witch. uh, I, I think you're in for a really, really good time. If you're, if you're in for some, you know, real, I mean, yeah, I know I used the word classy before. Um, I think this is really classy metal as in it's metal that, you know, it hits straight to head. Uh, it doesn't, it, it do, doesn't get overblown in any way. Not that I don't mind overblown metal at all. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just straight shooting heavy metal, you know, uh, I, which is rare. I feel like in, in many cases today, not that I don't mind, you know, other places that metal wants to go. I'm just saying it's really cool to have a band out there that, you know, basically, you know, has their heart on their sleeve and is just playing, playing that great metal. Uh, and they deliver on that. So yeah, uh, Icarus, Witch, their latest album again, goodbye, cruel world, man. And, and boy, listen to those baselines too. Woo. Anyway, <laughs> so a lot of fun. Uh, all right. I think that wraps up our top eight 
uh, albums for 2020. Uh, there's a lot to listen to here. I mean, just, just in what I've mentioned, there were so many more albums that came out this year. There were so many reissues that came out this year, like Halloween reissued a lot of their albums um, and totally worth going back to listening to. I mean, there's just, there were tons. And of course it makes sense because, you know, why not reissue albums, uh, you know, or put out live albums or compilations or whatever, you know, when not everybody can, uh, can get in the studio together, even though that in and of itself in music production is a bit of a rarity even before 2020, but regardless, I'm okay with it because a lot of those albums needed a good revisiting needed to get, uh, uh you know, a, a real remastering and, and a decent re-release. Uh, I mean like rock candy remasters put out or rock candy records, I guess, man, they, they, they put out so many amazing, like a lot of Paul Sabu stuff they re-released this year. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of gems to look into. If, if you have a good site where you look at all the albums that have come out in 2020, I mean, just pop it in the rock and metal section and even the reissues, you know, you're going to have endless listening, uh, to, to check out. So, but in this top eight, I guarantee you, you're getting some of the best in that fucking palace album. Holy shit. Go listen to it right now. You are in for a time, baby. We'll wrap this one up here. More top eights for 2020 where it's applicable. will be coming soon. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.